and welcome to another episode of Beauty Needs Me, a podcast where we host honest discussions about beauty that crosses color, culture, and country lines. I'm one of the co-hosts, Dunio Dumasu, and I'm here with the other, Talia Griffin. Hey, everyone. And joining us today is Tisha Thompson, a wife, mother, and trailblazer. After 15 years experience as a professional makeup artist and tenure as the VP of marketing at Pure, Tisha is currently the co-founder and CEO of Love Yourself Beauty, aka LYS Beauty, which was founded in 2019. With its skin-loving formulas that redefine clean beauty, LYS is on a mission to diversify the clean beauty industry. And as of February 19th, just two and a half weeks ago, LYS is the very first Black-owned cosmetics brand at Sephora. You can find LYS exclusively at Sephora.com. Tisha, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks Welcome. for having me. Welcome. Is it the first clean, right? Or period? Yes. First first clean. First, first clean. clean. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. First clean, okay. period. My God. Yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations. Thank um, you. This is such a huge impact on the industry in just a year and a, a few months. That's absolutely amazing. Yes, it went by really fast, but been awesome and I'm really excited to finally have the brand launched and be out there. It's really cool. You know, so it's so int- oh, go ahead. Oh wait, just really quick. Mm-hmm. It's it's so interesting because part of the ideation for Beauty Needs Me was that I was on Ulta's website and I noticed mm-hmm. that they had a K Beauty section and I was like, mm-hmm. where is the Black Beauty section? And now right. on Sephora, there's a whole Black owned section, right? Yeah, and I'm just exactly. like, you you see how much a year makes and you mm-hmm. see how much impact Black women, Black founders have had in that space. And it's like, Look, look what we're doing, y'all. I know, exactly. I know, I know. we are making some changes. We are so excited about it. We absolutely so let's, are. Let's take a couple of steps back. Um, how, how did you get into beauty? Oh my goodness. So I actually got into beauty over 15 years ago. I was a makeup artist. So I've always kind of loved makeup in high school. I really got into it. It was kind of like a creative outlet for me, a way for me to kind of express myself. But I actually um, started as a makeup artist pretty much around college timing. Um, it's something I kind of did um, as a as a part-time job while I was going to school. And then um, I actually, um, fast forward, I actually went to school to be uh, for business and finance. Um, my parents were really, really firm about, you know, you're going to get a real job. You know, I wanted to be a makeup artist like as my career, but this was kind of before you know, makeup artistry was romanticized and as amazing as it is today. So um, it was a lot harder to kind of break into the scene. You really had to know people and and be in the celebrity circuit, I think, to really make a really good living as a makeup artist back then. Um, Otherwise, it was really essentially retail was a a lot of what it Mm. was or, you know, freelancing. So for me, you know, I took the college route. Um, you know, did what I was supposed to do, a good steward. And uh, I applied for a job actually as a staff account because I was doing accounting as my full-time job and kind of doing makeup on the weekends. And I applied for a job. Um, Ironically, it was a company that was a branding agency and they own makeup companies. And I did not know that. I just applied to this job. And the first day on the job, when I realized what they actually did, I was like in the HR's office immediately, like, I am in the wrong job. I need to be... (laughs) 
in this job? And they were like, well, you just started here. So <laughs> I, I st- talk to I us next week. <laughs> talk to us. Uh, and I, um, I stuck it out. And um, about 18 months, I was an accountant for a company that actually owns the Pure brand, uh, which you mentioned. And um, when a position opened up as an actual marketing coordinator, which is, I mean, being a staff accountant is a pretty um, more mid-manager level for an accounting role. So for me to take a marketing coordinator position, it was just a leap of faith. You know, I was like, I'm going to take a step backward to really move forward because this is, a, you know, this is the direction I really want to go. And that's basically what I did and followed my passion and got onto the marketing side of the business, which got my foot in the door with the product development team. Um, I was able to be a part of a lot of the concept and creation early on and just kind of, you know, rose up the ranks really quickly. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much how I got into the corporate side of the business. And, and yeah, here we are now. I love that. I love, especially hearing about like, how the corporate side like uh, kind of leads you into that entrepreneurial path. Cause I think that yeah. a lot of people tend to feel like you have to do one or the other. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like over the past, like several years, especially on social media, there's like this, I don't know if demonization is too strong of a word, but there's like a knock on like having like full-time careers or like a full-time job. And it's like, you know, well, if you do that, then that means you're not this kind of person. If you do, you know, this day job, then that means you're not creative or that means this, like there are all of these assumptions when, and I feel like I've been seeing more and more or hearing more and more stories about people who are merging the two or moving seamlessly from one into the other, because there are so many skills that you learn from, Mm -hmm. you know, having a corporate job, a full-time job or a full-time career, whatever, however you want to call it, that that completely lend itself to that entrepreneurial track. Absolutely. I, I truly believe like my ability to have that foundation on the business side of things is what fundamentally um, has allowed me to really move a lot faster in my journey as an mm-hmm. entrepreneur, because there's so many things that you'll hear a lot of founders talk about that they had to learn along the way if they really just coming in at an angle of, hey, I created this product. Now let me start my own business. And they've got so many things that they have to learn. You have to understand, you know, how to, you know, manage operations and shipping and logistics. They have to understand PLs and, you know, you know, understanding balance sheets. They have to come in and, you know, understand contracts and management, you know, holistically. And all of those things I learned in my corporate experience. So it really, I think, you know, is a good foundation for me to really be able to run my own business. So I, I think it's invaluable if you want to be an entrepreneur to, you know, take those, you know, opportunities if you have it in your life to do even things in different industries that may not be, you know, necessarily in the same realm of what you're trying to do. You can learn so much from different people. So it's it's been invaluable. The last 15 years on the corporate side of the business has really, I think, helped me to, I feel like, you know, fast track along the process. And, and I mean, it's, I was just kind of going through my checklist again, because I have, you know, a couple people that I'm mentoring, a couple people that are reaching out, um, asking so many questions, like, what do you, what should I do about this? And what, what should I do about this? And I did, you know, a really robust checklist when I first started of like all the things that you have to do. And it's, it's a lot as an entrepreneur, when you get started, you guys know, starting this year podcast, right? It's like, 
think yes. of all the things that you have to do and all the people that reach out to you and they're probably like, how do I start a podcast? You're like, how much time do you have? Cause like, this is, <laughs> it's not an overnight process. Like it takes yes. a lot of time. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, it's, I think that experience is, is just extremely invaluable. You have to invest in, if that's your dream or what you want to do, you really need to invest in educating yourself to be able to do it, you know, the right yeah, way. I yeah. Think. yeah. You said so many good things. I'm trying to decide what I want to extract and touch on first. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take a step back and yeah. discuss um, and have you discuss your relationship with your family as it pertains to beauty, because you mentioned that you wanted to come out the gate as a makeup artist and they were like, negative. We're not doing that. Mm -hmm. So how did your upbringing influence kind of how you saw yourself in the world? Were there beauty traditions that you kind of brought from home into your current line? So for me, I mean, I grew up as a military child, so I lived all mm. over the world and I struggled a lot because I had to make new friends every three or four years. And I was like this chubby kid. It was kind of like an outcast. And I remember my mother always instilling in me every time we went to a new city, like be confident, be yourself. Mm. You're beautiful. Like these were the affirmations that I lived with at home. And so yeah. it, it having that instilled in me over the years and then constantly having to move all over it 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 created this a personality in me to where you know I just you know really started to own who I am and it's kind of how I got into you know the whole mission of what my brand stands for and this whole you know love yourself mission because you know at the end of the day even as an executive in this space I just never saw, saw myself being represented. And, you know, the, the journey at home was, was always a positive one. You know, I had a, my family around me, you know, you know, most of my family were plus size. Everybody was just very uplifting. We we're just a really close knit family. So your family always, you know, tells you you're beautiful, makes you feel good. But then when I left the house, I'm like, I, I don't feel pretty. Right. I don't feel like, I mean, I, all I see is somebody else in magazines that don't look like me, this, yeah. you know, society, you know, even TV and movies, like fashion, like nothing resonated with me outside of the walls of my house. So it was kind of confusing for me. And so for me, I just started to like experience, you know, experiment with makeup and doing just different things, concocting things, trying to th make things work for me. Um, you know, back then when I was in high school, like, I mean, we had maybe the CoverGirl Queen collection. I mean, that we didn't have like <laughs> options unless right. you're going to fashion fair with your mom and you're like, yeah, I'm trying to wear fashion fair. You know what I'm saying? So we just didn't have options. So it was, it was very different than even what it is today. And it, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me when I try to think back of all the memories as a young child, trying to identify with where I fit in, in this whole beauty journey of mine. Um, but I think it's definitely been a catalyst for, for essentially why I created the brand overall. Yeah. Fashion fair. You just took me back. That's all oh my, my mother used to use. Like she used Girl. to the lipsticks. I'm like envisioning the packaging. Right yes. Now. Yes, absolutely. You know, they're bringing it back out here. Really? No, they are not. That, that's a whole other story, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the last thing I heard in, in the space. I think, um, I forget her name, but um, a black woman actually bought the company from, mm. I guess, whoever had owned it at the time, which is, it's good. And it's coming back yeah. here. So, yeah. Look, I love a good rebrand, honey. Listen, so. listen, and I'm, I'm excited for more black owned brands in general and just us really, 
you know, taken our fair share in this industry and, and getting market share and building generational wealth. And yes. it's just long overdue in the beauty space, honestly. I think you've seen progression in the hair space over the years. Beauty is yeah. just way too far behind. And I'm excited for it. I'm here for it, honestly. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a really great point. And I don't think that that just hit me until now because um, so I have a, a business called House of Arawa. We work with independent beauty brands looking to enter Africa. And when I started the first iteration of the business in 2014, all of the people that I spoke to were white men. They were all, all the people that were making the decisions. And then I took a step back from the business. I rebranded and started again last year. And most of the people that I've been speaking to now are Black women. So it just goes to show, even in this space of time, there's been this shift where I'm now seeing more Black founders and I'm seeing mm-hmm. people who actually get it. I'm speaking to founders who are like, Yes, you don't even have to convince me on moving into Africa. Of course, I see the value. I'm with it. As opposed to several years ago, it was, well, why exactly is Africa, why should Africa be on the map? Why exactly is that important for us? So, you know, you're, you're right. It just hit me that when it comes to makeup brands, there really aren't a lot of black owned (laughs) brands. There's a lot of black owned hair care brands. Mm -hmm. Um, Not, not that many makeup. I don't think that hit me until just now. And when you think about how many have retail presence, I mean, that's really what it is. It's exactly. Really, I it's mean, been it's out probably, here. Yeah. Maybe it's 10 of us, 12 of us at this point and yeah. 800 brands that sit in on the shelves in these stores. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how staggering, um, the, how low those numbers are. So, yeah. I mean, that's why your partnership with Sephora is so important, especially yeah. because it's a clean cosmetics brand. Because I remember reading an article where the woman who created Creole Essence was talking was about, talk about that. Yeah. She was talking about how, how the clean beauty space is a yep. white woman's playground and yep. how she was struggling so hard to break yeah. in, in retail. So it's yeah. like, how did you do it? Because it, it, yeah, it's it's crazy because it's like they've made, you know, like Gwyneth Paltrow was some, you know, form of like the, the national standard of clean beauty. It's right? like how? <laughs> like who, who asked for that? Right. So it's true. It's true. I think I really think that essentially for me, timing has been everything. Like I've been in the clean space for over 15 years. So when I went to Pure, that that's what that brand was designed to be was clean. But I saw very early on, it was really important for me to put my influence into that brand, even though it was not black owned, to really move and progress that brand forward. And that's where I think a lot of the challenges um, brands in general, especially clean have, they don't have people of color on their teams, probably like, especially in their executive teams. And so the clean beauty space has been kind of whitewashed because those have been, you know, the people who've created them and they haven't really hired, um, you know, a diverse team to really make sure that it was, you know, you know, properly diverse in the products that they, that they created. And, and I think that that's, you know, there are other clean, black owned brands that exist. We're not the first. We don't proclaim to be the first. We're the first to be sold at Sephora. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of it has been challenging because, you know, retailers sometimes make decisions based on maybe historical data. Maybe sometimes they Mm -hmm. look at 
you know, what's sold in the past. And sometimes we have to acknowledge, you know, the you can't sell something you don't offer. You can't sell something that doesn't exist. And so when these clean brands that, you know, have been given that opportunity don't cater to people of color, don't have the, the proper shade ranges, it's going to look relatively low in terms of, you know, if that consumer is purchasing clean beauty. But, yeah. you know, I read an article recently that, um, you know, Black people are 50% more likely to be exposed to toxic ingredients in their makeup than yeah. other races. And it's really a shame. And it all boils down to education and, and accessibility. You know, we can't purchase something that is doesn't exist um, or that we don't know about. And so for us, I think breaking through that ceiling and getting a partnership like Sephora is, is monumental because they're really, really focused on diversity and inclusion. And they're really, really, really a, a leader in the clean beauty space. So yeah, yeah. by us getting that, you know, foot in the door, I think it's going to be monumental. I mean, we sold out immediately. I mean, yeah. everybody showed up and showed out for us and, and definitely- and but, we and, always and, do. We and, always, right. exactly. <laughs> and and so it has to make an impression to the retailer to say we need more brands like this in our stores, which is amazing. Yeah. And I, I definitely, you know, welcome that day. And, and I think it's just really important. It's, it, there's so much room for all of us, mm-hmm. um, and we just need our day in the light to shine. You know what I'm saying? And I, I'm just yeah. so glad that the black consumers are putting their money behind these brands and, and saying, we're not going to support the brands who don't support us, period. Yeah. But how did you do it? Did you send a cold email? Oh, I did. You got let a me friend tell- who got a friend. Yeah, no, <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you, I literally just went on LinkedIn and found all the leadership in Sephora. And I just, sent an email. I just sent an email with my, with my business plan and my pitch deck. And I just, you know, did a heartfelt email as to, you know, why I felt like I belonged and, um, you know, spoke to the white space and what I saw missing on their shelves. And I got an email back and it was, I mean, I was jaw dropping when I got an email back because I didn't expect to, honestly, but I was just coming from a place of passion, you know, fire, you're an entrepreneur, you want, you're trying to, you know, plus you're trying to survive. You know, I quit, I quit, listen, I quit a high paid senior executive job to go and do this and take a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. So when, it, when you do that, when you don't have that security blanket, you're just like, you're doing whatever. You're risking it all. Marketing, that is no small fee. That right, is no got, small thing. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, okay, I gotta find some way to make this happen and do something, you know. And I was prepared to go straight B to C, and that's fine. That that you know, that's you know, was the pathway and the plan I was trying to do. But for me, like I also wanted to try my best to um, you know, get into distribution, especially where you know, retailers were marketing that they're getting behind black-owned businesses. And Sephora was one of the biggest and loudest ones that caught my attention the most in their 15% pledge. That they're saying, mm-hmm. hey, we're gonna pledge that we're gonna put, you know, fill 15% of our shelf space to black-owned businesses. So when I hear that, I'm like, well, let me reach out and see. <laughs> yeah. You know, that kind Is of that thing. Is that me? So, uh, I, I, are, y'all, are, y'all re- are y'all really about it? Exactly. It sounds exactly. like somebody called my name. I heard somebody right. call my name. I heard somebody <laughs> say my name. <laughs> exactly. I so, love that. Yeah, yeah. So I just kind of went for it and it worked out. And that's why I really, you know, I mentioned that earlier. I really think like timing is everything. Yeah. Um, and it just, I think I just happened, you know, happened to be at the right place at the right time and showed something that they were interested in. And I do think that by us being clean, and that's really 
you know, my passion and focus and kind of where I've spent the last decade of my life focus on is, is clean beauty. So it's kind of all I know, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. So, so it just was a natural fit. So there are, I'd love to talk about some of your formulations with your products. Oh, so, Dooney, uh, we are here because I was like, I have right so here. many we're business right formulation I questions. Know. You brought up the the Creole Essence, um, the founder, what she said, and that was literally on, on my mind to do. So, Satisha, so I'm a former cosmetic chemist. I worked at L'Oreal. I actually, my first internship at L'Oreal was making press powders. So oh, when I received, first of all, thank you for the products. Um, okay, I'm glad I'm you got so, it. So, so excited to try these out. So one of them, one of my, one of my, my summer project was how to formulate pressed powders without parabens. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was what, like 21, I I didn't know how to do it. Right. But Mm -hmm. I was researching and whatnot. So now fast forward all of these years and looking at your, uh, the pressed powders and seeing that there's no parabens in here. One, so how do you preserve the product? Two, um, I've, I don't think I've ever seen niacinamide in a pressed powder before. Ever. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, I've, I've missed it. But the fact that you have niacinamide and you have the sodium hyaluronate, mm-hmm. um, which, which is hyaluronic acid. Exactly. Are those mm-hmm. powder forms like solid yeah. forms? Yeah, they yeah, are. Yeah. Talk us through mm-hmm. that because that's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, what's really cool is the technology on a lot of different skincare ingredients do come in powder form, which is great. Um, and then you mentioned the uh, preservative system. So we actually do use a small percentage of phenoxyethanol in our product. Mm-hmm. Um, really, 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 really low, mm-hmm. typically less than um, 0.05%. Like we use a little amount and we have a really low shelf life. That's one thing with our products See, that, you know, yeah. we do have, but um, for us, it's, for me, it's really important to make sure that we try to keep the you know product as natural as possible or as clean as possible. So we don't go higher on those um preservatives because that's where you can get those longer shelf lives, but they could be more irritating to the skin. So that's essentially what we use to replace parabens um, as our preservative system. Um, But a lot of our, all of our stuff is challenge tested, which is really good. So we make sure that, you know, everything has, you know, traditional shelf life to, to last for a long enough time. Our lowest one is nine months. But okay. you know, we have we have which is our foundation and our primer, and those products are more you know you go through them faster, right? Yeah. So yeah, um, I felt like that was a safer bet to do. But yeah, I mean, for for me, in terms of um, focusing on the formulation and trying to do innovative stuff, like I, I wanted to to shake it up and focus like on ingredients that I felt like targeted um, concerns that we really cared about. A lot of times you see. Um, like in powder form, you can do retinol now. A lot of times you see wow. a lot of an- anti-aging ingredients in formulas. And I wanted to do really innovative, cool stuff that targeted things that people of color really cared about, like hyperpigmentation, um, like oily skin types, pore control. Um, those are the things that I wanted to target. And so in order to do that, we had to kind of get a little creative with the types of ingredients that we would use. And so that's why I went for the niacinamide because really good for pore and oil control. Yep. Um, and so, you know, they're like, oh, you know, it, it, it exists. It, it, we're not the first to put it in a powder, but it's very rare to see right. it in a powder. Um, right. green, green tea and all mm-hmm. these extracts you can get in powder form. 
So then when yeah. I look at the when I look at the blush, so that doesn't have the nice the niacinamide in it, but it mm-hmm. has um avocado oil, vitamin yeah. E, and I always mess up this word. Kale, kale and clay. Thank you for not <laughs> letting me embarrass myself. Yes. Yeah. So so why put those three in in the blush, but not have yeah. them in the bronzer or in the setting powder? Yeah. So some, some things we, based on the emolliency of the product or, you know, so the blush is an anhydrous product. So, you know, you formulate a little bit differently. So I wanted, and I also didn't want the story to be the exact same with everything. I kind of wanted to switch it up a little bit. A little razzle dazzle. Yeah. Yeah. Like some people may, you know, wear everything. And so you get different benefits you know, with the products instead of it just being like a monotone story. So the cool thing with the blush um, and and the reason why I went that strategy also was for performance uh, purposes. So one of the things I love cream blush, but one of the things I hate about cream blush is it looking too shiny and crazy, like dewy throughout the day. So that's why I put the kaolin clay in there because as I was testing it, like I kept having breakthrough shine, you know, in testing the formula. And so they're like, oh, let's put a little kaolin clay in there. That'll help absorb some of these oils that are breaking through a little bit during throughout the day. Niacinamide is kind of more of a long-term. It's not, it, it, it helps over time. So right. it's, it's, it, you know, it's kind of one of those benefits you get as you're wearing the product over time, you're going to gradually start to see that, that improve. Whereas the kaolin clay is going to be like that immediate, like I'm going to, yeah, you know, that instant gratification situation. So that's yep. why I kind of wanted to be a little different. And then um, by it just being an, an emollient product, you know, I wanted to have that avocado oil story stick through, um, you know, with the foundation. And, and for me, it's just a beautiful oil. There's so many oils we could have picked and I actually tried a couple other oils, but that one blends so beautifully. And it just, mm-hmm. um, it's one of those oils that throughout the day, it makes your skin look better over time. So it, it's just one of those oils that I just felt like worked the best in the base, even though we tried, you know, argan oil and some other ones that just caused a little bit too much breakthrough shine throughout the day. It didn't give you that natural, yeah. natural glow. So the triple so fix, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Go ahead. So the triple fix serum foundation. Okay. Yes. So this is described as the hero product. It's $22. Um, yes. As someone who does not wear foundation, I can never seem to figure it out. Uh-huh. I was super interested in this because it has ashwagandha and turmeric yeah. in it. And I'm yeah. like, I've literally never seen that. So why did you choose those ingredients for this foundation? So I wanted to make it a skincare foundation for me. Like that's why I wanted to really go the serum route. Um, For me also, I was creating it during a time where, you know, I had started this journey early 2019 and, you know, was thinking, you know, I know I want to do it skincare, but when I was reviewing a lot of the formulas really early 2020, like starting to wrap things up, boom, COVID hit. Mm. And in my mind, I'm like, oh man, like I'm here on the final, like approving these formulas and, you know, nobody's getting ready to wear a truly matte foundation. I'm not going to wear a matte foundation. I'm leaving, I'm not leaving the house. I want to put, I really want to make sure I load this with skincare that I would actually want to wear every time I'm getting on these Zoom calls and doing stuff. So we like, boom, we dropped in like turmeric and ashwagandha just because I really wanted to put in some ingredients that I really felt like, okay, these are things that I feel like 
we would really get benefits from if we're wanting to get some skincare out of our makeup at the same time. Is it um, full coverage? It's not, it's not, it's, mm. it's light to medium coverage. Yeah. And that was the other thing too. Like it never started off as full coverage. It was always a medium coverage um, situation. Um, for me, I, I kind of like that middle coverage range, but I ended up backing down some of the coverage and went more light to medium just because just serving a lot of friends and family, just even early on in the process, a lot of, a lot of us don't really like heavy cakey makeup every single yeah. day. It's, it's like, I just want something that makes my skin look a little bit better, but looks like my skin, um, cover up a little bit of my blemishes, maybe just in the certain areas, but not like cake face. Um, and we get so hung up or, you know, and I kind of being in the industry too, got so hung up in this whole full face glam every single day, right? Like when you're in the industry, you're going to events you're doing stuff, you know, you're watching a lot of influencers, you really get caught up in this whole full face glam. But talking to my mom, talking to my, all my cousins, my sorority sisters, like nobody in my life outside of in the industry is living like this. Is doing just, this, right? Yeah. They were not like, seriously. People bare-faced. Right. And, 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 and me outside of, if I wasn't going somewhere, I wasn't trying to do it either. So yeah. I was like, I need to be authentic to me. What, you know, what I create and what I come out with really needs to be authentic to me, you can't try to follow the trend or what you see or what seems to be popular on social media. No, like you need to do what is most comfortable with you. What is it that you would put on your face every single day and really be comfortable? And what is it that your family, you know, your sisters, you know, what are, what would they wear and that you know it would be their go-to kind of thing? So that was the, the route that I decided to take. And I'm glad I did that too, because then COVID really kicked off and, and I was just ain't like, nobody doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> right. And Serum, right. Serum Foundation has been huge. Like, I feel like I don't really hear people talking about foundation anymore. It's all Serum mm-hmm. Foundation that yeah. I'm hearing about. And I know that um, there are a couple of brands that I see a lot of influencers talk about. So I'm really excited mm-hmm. for, for this to get, to start getting some, some shine because like yeah. Tilia said, when I read, when I saw that there was ashwagandha and turmeric, I was like, what? Like, those yeah. are the powders that I put into my- In my, my coffee. My, in my coffee, <laughs> and your yeah. Like, in your I, coffee, I yes. That, like, yeah, every morning, yeah. like, I put that in because, you know, the benefits that it has. Mm-hmm. So right. to see that in, found, in, in this foundation serum is phenomenal. And yeah. I love the packaging. Thank so you. So it's everything is a Delta symbol. It's all yes. clearly very, very intentional. Yes. But what- made for two questions. One, yeah. why the Delta symbol? Two, how in the heck are you able to provide these amazing products, this great packaging, <laughs> all for 12 that. to $22? Like I this know, is ridiculous. Crazy. I know, everybody asked me that. So for packaging, you know, I really wanted to be intentional, like you mentioned. And with this being like a whole line going after what I felt like was my purpose in life, and like my sole mission, I wanted the packaging to kind of fit the vibe of the story I was trying to tell. And my whole mission from the beginning, you know, the whole pitch, even to Sephora is like, your why? It's like, I want to diversify the clean beauty space. Like that is my mission. I want to change this crazy standard of beauty that exists. Like I want, like just change just kept being this word that I continue to reiterate to myself as to your why. Like, I just want to 
change the way it's been. It just needs to change. And so for me, it's like, I am a Delta. And um, so, you know, I just know instantly when I think change, I just think the Delta symbol and it's just, just, you know, it's authentic to you. It's it's authentic to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've always, even from being a Delta, then rationalize this whole, the, the, the Delta symbol, the pyramid, the triangle, like it's, it's just been a part of continuous research and, you know, um, knowing more about the meaning behind it and the whole past, present and future, just so many things about the meaning and positivity behind mm-hmm. that symbol. And so it just, I, I was presented some packaging. So I get tons of packages from suppliers, kind of like how influencers get stuff from brands. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you, you probably know this when you're formulating, they send you stuff to test and, and mm-hmm. try. Mm-hmm. And so I got tons of packaging sent to me. Um, as I was reaching out, hey, I'm starting my line. Um, and I got sent this triangle-shaped package. And it was more of a rounded triangle. I don't have one to show, but it wasn't as blunt of a triangle as what I ended up landing with. But it sparked this whole, like, I was obsessed. This obsessed, total obsession of, right. oh, my God, I've got to find triangle packaging. And so then I reached out to a couple suppliers and um, then they're like, oh, sure, we have this, we have that. And they started sending things. And that's how I ended up landing on the package. Some things I ended up tooling um, mm-hmm. that just simply didn't exist um, because it's just a unique shape. I don't think really anybody has, you know, some of the packaging that we have it, it, mm-hmm. in the industry. No. Um, and so, yeah, we, yeah, that's how I landed on, on the Delta symbol, the shape. And then well, let me, so, before I, you go on, let me just tell you, I already know yeah. every Delta that I know that listens to this is going to be in my inbox <laughs> and then subsequently on the Sephora.com site, <laughs> specifically Aisha Sherelle, I'm waiting for your text. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Because for me, you know, I've really wanted to be a catalyst for changing the space. And I just love that I was able to find a package that could help bridge that story further. And then the second question, remind me of your second question. The pricing. The pricing. Mm -hmm. So the pricing honestly is really all based on relationships. And that's something that I tell entrepreneurs all the time. So, and that's what's so great going back to our earlier, earlier part of our conversation is when you spend time investing in yourself or doing other jobs and roles, you, you meet people along the way in your journey. And that's why I always say, never burn a bridge. You never know who's, who, what path you're going to cross and who you're going to cross in your path in the future. You never know um, some favor or some being nice or kind to somebody at, you know, 10 years ago and they saw something mm-hmm. in you and you reach out to them. And they are excited for you to take your journey, how they may embrace you. You just never know. So be kind and always be, you know, that person that people, you know, are eager to see when because you were a good person. And that's pretty much how I'm doing it. Honestly, I spent 15 years in this space, um, working with some amazing suppliers in my former life with Pure. And that's, you know, was my key role there, development and, and you know, product development and innovation. And wow. so I built a lot of, you know, relationships through that. And when I decided to start my own line, people are like, sure, you know. And so yeah. I just went on this journey of formulating in a way that I can make it happen as well as have the packaging I wanted. And, you know, obviously having Sephora doesn't happen. You know, people want to, they want to supply to brands that 
have that level of distribution. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just been honestly all based on relationships, to be honest with you. I love that. So I want to, I want to ask you a question. So when I was doing my research, there was this one article and I was like a, a bit confused about it. So I was like, when you come on, let, let me, let me get some clarity, right? Yeah. Because I was trying to understand the pivot from your job at Pure to creating LYS. Okay. Yeah. So this article was written in August. I think it was Essence, um, yeah. where you discussed spearheading the Love Your Selfie Foundation mm-hmm. through yeah. Pure's innovative or exclusive foundation line. It, it was like yeah. 100 shades. Then you launched your own brand. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I wonder, was there any conflict between you and Pure mm-hmm. by naming your brand LYS Love Yourself? Yeah. And because you ended your job so quickly or mm-hmm. so so closely to starting the brand. Yeah. And when people have day jobs, they often think like, oh, when I leave here, I need to like take X amount of years, five plus years because of yeah. some kind of conflict. Yeah. No, it worked out well for me because the founder of the Astral Brand Company that I worked at for 15 years has been my mentor. And it was really early on back in 2019 when we had a discussion. So fast track, 27, backtrack, sorry, 2017, when I concepted the Love Your Selfie campaign, that was that was my innovation. So the 100 Shades with Pure was all me from start to finish. I came up with the concept. I came up with, I designed and developed the packaging, the 100 Shades, the naming of it, everything. The naming convention, coming up with all the undertones, the whole project with my baby for three years, basically. And that was something that I did when I worked at Pure. And when you, if anybody knows, when you work anywhere and you concept or create or do innovation for that company, that is their innovation. They yep. own it. It belongs to them. And so fast forward 2019, I lose my father um, unexpectedly at 59 years old. Mm-hmm. And it struck really a deep chord with like, it hit me pretty hard. And at the same time, my mom's battling cancer. And so I just went in a really dark place and having spent 15 years with somebody running their business, making it extremely successful, traveling all the, all over the world with them, you build a relationship. And he and I had a really good relationship. And I just went to him and said, Hey, this is what I want to do. Like this campaign has been amazing, but it doesn't feel like a campaign to me. This is my life. Like this is what I truly believe is my mission for me to carry on, go forward. And I need your blessing. Like I need your blessing to allow me to step away and start my own brand. And I I came up with this when I worked for you, but it means so much to me. And mm. I've given so much. I would really love if you would give if I can have this, my stuff, <laughs> you know, and, and he's like, you know, Tisha, I really, really want to support you. Like, I just really want you to be happy. And I mean, he's like family. He's, he is one of my investors. Um, I have a couple of investors, an angel investor, which is great. And, you know, it, for me, it was, it was, it was a no brainer, right. For me to, to, if somebody's going to support you after having given 15 years and dedicating yeah. your life to building their baby. And then they are saying, okay, I'm going to support you while you go build your baby. It, it like, it's the best reward like ever for me. So I, I've been completely honored. It's been a total, ble- like everything has been a total blessing in this yeah. whole experience for me, because yeah, I mean, he could have said, you want to go, he could have said, you want to start your own? 
go start your own. Good luck with that. You can't, no, you cannot use that name. I'm going to fight you for that name. I own that name, which they did own that name. And I was able to license it and get it for nothing. Like these are things that behind the scenes, like, you know, that happen that have just been blessings to me. And, um, and it's good. I'm excited because at the end of the day, I think he sees it as now this is somebody who has supported and worked really hard for me. I'm going to help and support them. Um, it and was I, meant I to be, it was, it was, meant to be. Be. It was, it was so meant to be. And, and I wasn't willing to, to wait anymore and work for anyone else anymore because, you know, having lost my dad for me, that it just was like, life is too short. I was like, YOLO. Like I, I I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I'm seriously, I was like, yeah. even if I drop dead today, I'm halfway through my life. If I use the same timeline of, of my dad, I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. So time to move yeah. on and do something new. So that's, that's where we are, but that's the answer to your question. So. I love I that. Love yeah. That. Because when I was reading that, I was like, how does she pull this off? Yeah. I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. And Tisha, is, are you still in Atlanta? I am. I am. Is your, is LYF manufactured in Atlanta? We were not. So we, we manufacture in different places. So I have Canada as one of my manufacturing places and Taiwan we, we do as well. And that's another way you mentioned earlier, how we keep costs down. We don't yeah. manufacture in China, but we do manufacture um, overseas yeah. in Taiwan, which allows us to keep the cost down yeah. significantly. But what about your product development team? Oh, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's here. Yeah, because Atlanta has become it's a the party mecca. of one. It's a party oh, of one, you? by the way. Really? It's just me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I am the so team. How did you, how did you <laughs> develop? So you developed all of the formulations or did you? So, so in conjunction with those labs that are based in Taiwan. Okay, in okay. okay. So they do have okay. a full staff there. Um, but, you know, in terms of directing, the formulation and all of that, that's just, that's all me. Okay, now I have a ton of questions because first I was going to say, because but I know that Atlanta has become really like quick, the Dooney, Mecca. I just want everyone to hear that. She is a part, she is a team of one. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. like don't, don't sleep on that. You can do this. Yeah. She is a yes. team yeah. of one. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. And Atlanta has really become a Mecca because I know a lot of Black-owned hair care brands are, operating out of Atlanta, whether it's their manufactured there or it's the product development team. Um, so now seeing that there's becoming or, or there's a space where now black owned beauty brands mm-hmm. have a base there. I just I feel like I can see what's happening in the Atlanta yeah. space in terms of black owned um, beauty brands. For so sure. how are you planning to I guess to scale, because I'm assuming that with everything happening with Sephora, you're going to get extremely busy. You're going to have orders coming in. So what's your plan? That's, that's kind of what I'm working on now, just because for example, we're out of stock of inventory. So like yesterday I was on with suppliers trying to work out, you know, a whole component hold and release strategy, you know, trying to get ahead of like supplying compacts and being able to be ready when, you know, to meet yeah. the demand. And, you know, we, we order pretty healthy. So coming out of the gate, based on every projection Sephora provided, you know, we were prepared. And I think just to have exceeded all that in such a big way, I think everybody's just a little shocked. <laughs> we're just like a little like jaw dropped, you know what I'm saying? So now it's just like a little bit of a scramble, 
but it's okay. It's it's the better problem to have than honestly Absolutely. launch and there's crickets and you're just like, well, what am I going to do with all? You're this looking at all your products. So I wel- I welcome the challenge. But in terms of scaling, that's definitely kind of what I'm trying to work through now. My husband works with me. He's an unpa- unpaid employee, which he reminds me daily. He's an intern. <laughs> he, he, is, he is my intern. <laughs> I mean, so he he's kind of helping me as well, doing a lot um, of stuff that he's just like, I did not sign up to do this. Like, you know, um, my sister, support, though. Oh, my sister and her um, her husband, they, I always say her fiance now, but they just recently got married. But um, they help me a lot in terms of my social media listening. And they're constantly, you know, helping me um, respond and, and kind of like my VAs on social just because the DMs are out of control and, you know, all the different, um, you know, communication with, with everyone. So that's kind of the whole thing I'm trying to work through now. Like I need to find a way to off, you know, uh, outsource social media. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing I'm in marketing. Those are the first things I'm working on. So I recently just, um, just signed a marketing agency. So that's something that um, will help relieve a lot of my time as well in terms of like, paid advertising and social media and stuff. So all of those little things that I literally personally till 2, 3 a.m. were doing. doing And I felt so weird. Like, should I like this post? It's 3 a.m. Can they tell that I'm liking at 3 a.m.? But it's the only time, (laughs) like, it's the only time I have to respond to these comments. You know what I'm saying? If you see something, say something. It's okay. Right. So so that's that's kind of like how the life's been. But it's been fun. It's been an awesome journey. And I'm just kind of taking it literally one day at a time and just kind of, making the decisions as we kind of go. I love that. But we're Jenny, still you like you mentioned it? only two two weeks in, so it's still very I, early. I know. It's like <laughs> love it. it feels like it's been a year for the yeah. two weeks. So I'm complaining Anything about that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Talia, do yeah. you have um more questions or uh, no we can jump into some segments. Okay. All right. So Tisha, we just started these segments about two weeks ago too. So we're okay. all in this <laughs> two week frame. Okay. I love so it. this is an article from Nylon, Nylon Beauty. So it this was is published. the beauty news segment. Oh, sorry. Thank <laughs> you. I was going to get there. This is the beauty news segment. This was published about two days ago. All right. Okay. So the title is Fenty Hair Might Be Happening Soon. Rihanna this. is apparently ready to take over every inch of your beauty counter. After launching Fenty Beauty and Fenty Skin, the industry innovator is reportedly moving into hair, as pointed out by BuzzFeed News. Rihanna has mm-hmm. allegedly filed a trademark for Fenty hair. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I will get to the point that I think is very interesting. Okay, as per the filing, the Fenty hair trademark would encompass multiple products, including hair glitter, non-medicated hair care preparations, non non-medicated dandruff shampoo, hair relaxing preparations, and hair waving preparations. The trademark also seeks to cover hair bleaching preparations, hair styling preparations, and non-medicated hair restoration lotions. That's a lot. So when I first heard about this, I thought I should have trademarked Fenty Hair and then I would right. have a lot more money right now. <laughs> right, because, right, because then she'd have to pay uh, pay you license. Cash uh, me out, you know. sis. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, there she's, are, coming, she's coming for the girls with all of them. She's coming for, for everybody, which, listen, I feel like more power to Rihanna. You know, yeah. what she's been able to do with Fenty Beauty, I think is phenomenal. I think phenomenal. she really shook the industry up back in 2017. Like everybody yeah. was like, oh, we need to have inclusive shade ranges. 
Yeah. Duh. Like, of course mm-hmm. you do. Right. We all just knock these little 11 <laughs> yeah. colors. Yeah. 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 So I think that was phenomenal. I think what really struck me with this is non-medicated hair restoration lotion. So one, mm-hmm. I don't typically see there being a lot of emphasis really from, you know, from a brand, from brands that I would say are like the caliber of Fenty with like hair restoration, with something that's actually targeting specific problems. Like I can understand shampoo, anti-dandruff, hair conditioning, but something to, to get so specific mm-hmm. to want to address hair restoration, I think is really interesting. Hair relaxing preparations and hair waving preparations. First of all, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what, what that means? What is a part? Well, is it what? what no, but it's any preparations. Um, so, so like, like that would would that be like? Um, it does it say hair relaxing preparations or just hair? It says hair relaxing preparations, hair waving preparations. Like a so does that mean it's? I, I don't. So does that mean <sighs> yeah. it's an actual relaxer or I is it like it's... a pre-step? Yeah, I think I think so. I think it, it's probably just the whole thing that goes with relaxing. So, you know, you have the activator and like the different, the cream and stuff. But are people, a lot of people still relaxing? I don't know how much demand there is for relaxing because with the natural movement. But I would say <laughs> I get maybe like um, prevent, like, um, you know, if she's doing like hair oils and she does a lot mm. of you know, weave and braids and different stuff True. like that. So maybe that, um, protective styles, protective made, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure. I ain't gonna hold you. Rihanna gave us a whole skincare line that has perfume in it. So yeah. it would not surprise me if she came out with a perm. Well, I would say this, when I looked at all the comments online about it, that was like the undertone from everyone is that if it's not natural, we're not going to support this one. So I think that hopefully they're reading and and people on her team are social listening and are going to help guide her to make the right decision. Because I do think that she kind of, she kind of met in the middle on the skincare line. I think, I think she did some things really well. And I do think Mm -hmm. there are a few things that she could have done better, but I, I still yeah. think she did a great job. For, Absolutely. You know, for an overall, you know, first kind of out the gate. But I think I think that if if she comes with, you know, some crazy harsh sulfates and, you know, overly fragrance type products, I, I just don't think that we're gonna support it. Cause it's it's starting to get to a place where we have options. Like we have people who are giving us the stuff exactly. that we want and we have options of where to go. And so it long ago, it used to be, you only have one or two things. And so you're going to just kind of roll with Take it. What you we're, can. Yeah. We're educated. We always have been, but we are now given options with the education we already have and we're yeah. savvy and we know the power of our dollar. And we know essentially that the change that by spending our money on certain brands, what comes with that. And so based on that, a lot of people are getting to the point where if I buy that, then that's showing a vote or an advocacy for that. Yeah. So I'm not going to purchase that anymore. Um, And so I think that brands have to just really be conscious to know what your consumers are looking for. And if you just blatantly give, you know, don't give two Fs about what they're, what they're saying they're, they're not going to be there. It's this, this is a new day. It's a, it's a brand new day. I think one of the things for me is 
um, in a way I'm over celebrity culture. I'm over yeah. every, and this has, this is not any, you know, anything specific to Rihanna because I, I love Rihanna, but yeah. I am tired of all of the new brands that are coming out being spearheaded by celebs because mm-hmm. I then say to myself, well, what is the experience here? Because right. it's, it has to be more than placing a name on a brand, which trust me, I get it from a marketing standpoint, but yeah. like, I want to know that for instance, Tisha, you've had years of experience in yeah. the industry. You know what I mean? Like, let's be real. Anybody can do anything. Go yeah. for it. Yeah. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't, but when we're talking about the things that you're putting on your skin, the things that you're mm-hmm. putting on your hair, um, it's, sure. it's a really slippery slope. So I want to know that there's something that's behind this and not that yeah. you're just slapping your name on it, but that there's a reason, like you can very clearly articulate to us why, you know, certain ingredients are in certain products and what the yeah. science is behind that. I want to know that. So yeah. if this isn't going to, to give me that, really any of these celebrity lines anymore. Yeah. Like it, there just has yeah. to be something more than a popular name and, 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 sure. you know, razzle dazzle marketing to really kind of take it over the line for me. Yeah. I, th- I do. Oh, go ahead. No, you, you know what? I also wonder, I wonder if we're also coming um, from it from a Western point of view, because mm-hmm. I don't know what the girls in Barbados and in other parts of the world are doing with their hair. So even mm-hmm. if it is like a perm or something, it may not be sold here. It may be something sold in other parts of the world. Yeah. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure in terms of that trademark, if she filed specifically everywhere or if Mm. that was just a U.S. trademark, but typically you have to file separately in every country Mm -hmm. and you can file for certain categories in certain places. So she filed it. She's paying the coin to file it. It's not cheap to hold those trademarks. She probably is intending to do something with it. Plus, if you don't launch a product just by and just file a trademark, um, you know, you have to you know, have commerce to really support your trademark over time. So, so I would assume she's probably going to come with something to support the trademark. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say in terms of the, the celebrity lines, I think for me, I, I kind of feel, you know, indifferent for me, the biggest thing is, is about um, authenticity. Mm-hmm. I, I think that at the end of the day, consumers know if it's coming from an authentic place or if it's just like, like a grab bag kind of situation, they're just, you know what I'm saying? I think that, you know, there's been a few where you just kind of look at it, you're confused and you're like, this is clearly just about the bag. Whereas some you really look at and you say, okay, this feels very authentic. It's cool. Like the mission behind it, you know, and just everything that they're doing, it just works. And that's kind of how I feel about Rihanna too. Like, I think that you know, when she started Fenty and the change that she made over so many years and the products that she was bringing to the space, I just, I did, I felt that authenticity. I really felt like she was, you know, just that trailblazer, if you will, Pat McGrath, amazing. Oh yeah. You know, you know, Danessa, you know, when I see like some of these people who have made, who are coming, you know, have these lines, I look at it and I go, you know, I can see the authenticity, but then you have some where you're like, well, you do you, do you really even wear makeup? I don't know if I even see you with it on yeah. and, and that sort of thing. So I think consumers at the end of the day, they can, they can read between the lines now and they just, and that's why you see so many come and go so fast. Cause I think a, that exactly they just kind of like, don't, they don't last because I think people have read between really what it was about. 
Yeah. So true. Well, our next segment is called add to cart. Um, So it's where, you know, there can be any, any item. So beauty, fashion, anything that you feel like the people should add to their virtual carts, right? Okay. Okay. Um, So I will kick it off. Um, This week, my add to cart is Megan the Stallion on the cover of Harper's Bazaar. So if you can pick up the magazine, she looks beautiful. Like mm-hmm. she she literally looks yeah. like she's wearing makeup from your line. I know that your line wasn't out by the time she she did yeah. this, but <laughs> right. like she she looks like she has <clears throat> like makeup on, but she's not overly done. And she looks mm-hmm. so beautiful. And um, I was able to read the article and she, you know, I think we forget that Megan the Stallion is in she's in school. Like I always forget. Like she, like, she I love that about so, her. Yeah. She's 26. And, I know, she is so young. Oh my and goodness. she's in school. And she Amazing. she talks like about that. falling out with her friend Kelsey over the Tory Lanez incident. But she's um, like, you know, that was her friend from freshman year of college, like 2013. Mm, I think about my yeah. friends and I'm like, I love these women, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, she talks about losing her mom and her great grandma, but overall that like, she's still a student, like she's doing all of these things, but she's, she's still trying to get this degree in like public health administration. And mm. I was just like, Megan. Wow. I love that. Yeah. So yes, add it to cart. Megan the Stallion is on the cover of February's Harper's Bazaar. Um, So before I do mine, I just want to say, I really love all of the representation we're seeing of women doing multiple things and just not being in one box. Tisha, that's why I feel Mm -hmm. like your journey is, you know, going from corporate into entrepreneurship because it's very much aligned with me. I always say I'm a careerpreneur because I juggle a full-time career with being an entrepreneur. Megan being a rapper and being literally in college, pursuing a public, what is it? Public health? Public health administration degree. Like nobody would ever think that the two go together. But so I love that. I love that we're seeing images of women, you know, just breaking out of the box. Okay. So mine is, um, is a bit of a splurge product. It is biologique, biologique recherie P50 toner. So I have used this before, maybe like three years ago or so. And, um, I just was like, I liked it, but I, I, I don't know. I don't think I was really like in tune with what it was doing. It, I've been using it for a couple of weeks and it's an amazing toner. So I've, for the listeners who listen <laughs> frequently. <laughs> I always talk about the Ren Glow Tonic that I use yep. as a toner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is probably, I mean, this is like, it just takes it up a notch. It's, it's like the godmother to Ren. It is to the Ren Glow it. Tonic. So it's really good. I've noticed a difference in my skin. I definitely feel that the products that I put on afterwards penetrate into my skin more, which is really the whole point of having a good toner is to like prep your skin for the other products that you're going to use. So it's a little bit pricey, but it's definitely, um, it's definitely worth it. Is it a spray on? No, nope. It's, um, put it on a little cotton ball. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How much is it? Um, I think this was $69. And it's okay. a, like five ounces. You can only buy it from certain places. So um, I bought mine from Rescue Spa in Philly. I know there's one in New York. And I think you can purchase it on, um, if you go to the Biologique Recheries website, 
they'll tell you how to get it. Okay. Too. Put it in the show notes for us, girl. Exactly, exactly. So mine would be, um, my favorite movie is just celebrated its 30th anniversary, which is Coming to America. So I don't know if anybody has seen the movie, which I'm sure it's the number one movie in America. So I don't know who, unless you're living under a rock, have not heard about this. Girl, you have to watch it. Now, you just have to take the movie for what it is. But at the end of the day, the add to cart for me is the collection that was created by Oma Beauty, which is a Black-owned brand. She did a full collection in collaboration with the film. She knocked it out of the park. I love Sharon Shooter. She's the founder of Mm -hmm. Oma Beauty. Um, And I think she just did a fantastic job just paying homage to African culture and to the beauty industry in general with an amazing classic in coming to America. So I want to give her her flowers for that and also just have everyone support another black owned brand. So in, in makeup and beauty, it's, it's a, it's a small list of us with the type of presence and retail that we yeah. have. And so we need to keep us, keep us uplifted and support, yeah. but I think she did a fantastic job. So I want to I love that. And she, she is amazing. And her brand is, is known for doing like collections. Yeah. Everything she does, I feel like is just so on point because yeah. she gets beautiful black women and melanin and yes. the way that the colors need to present are different. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Let me clarify. I've seen coming to America. I haven't seen the f- this second the, coming, the to coming to yeah yeah, yeah. yes so no, I knew that's what like, you, I knew that's what yeah. you meant yeah, <laughs> yeah they're gonna be like wait a minute so, now we're gonna so check I have your to be car. honest we're check your car for a I know minute. I was like <laughs> wait a minute okay I am I am black blackity black black okay I've seen <laughs> coming to America I've seen every Eddie Murphy movie I am a stan I just not yeah. I have not seen this new yeah. one yet yeah it's so good. It's I watched when I watched it was it last Friday I. I did not like it. I was like, this movie is trash. I had said something on my Insta stories. And then I rewatched it on Thursday. And I was like, yeah. Oh, no, I like this. I was yeah. like, so I, I had to, like, to recant. I was like, yeah. guys. You have kidding. to remember it's 30 years <laughs> later. Kind yeah. of the generation we live in. The type of movies that kind of get people like excited to make headlines. I, I think it wasn't as serious as the first one. In the mm-hmm. sense the first one just felt a little less of that comedic it had the moments but it wasn't like this one it was like almost like they tried to be really funny all the time Mm -hmm. so at first I'm in the same position as you just because it was my favorite movie and so sometimes you look at it you're like oh don't mess don't just don't mess up the legacy you know just leave it alone and that's a little bit how I came at it the first time I watched it and then I have watched it a second time and then I appreciated it a little bit more and I think what I what I started to appreciate that I didn't appreciate the first time in watching it was the um, seeing all the past cat, the cast members 30 years yes. later and yes. seeing like how they look now and just where they are and just that whole yeah. family reunion kind of yeah. feeling from it. And that's when I was like, okay, let me celebrate us. Like Likewise. let's just celebrate us, you know? It was like an and intentional <laughs> celebration. Yeah, one exactly. of the things that got me the first time, when I first saw Rick Ross, I was like, why are you in Zamunda, Rick Ross? Like, <laughs> why, who invited you to Zamunda? Like, and I, right. I think from there, I kind of checked out. Right, check out. Same. I was the same way. Same. When, we- when Wesley Snipes came in with the pimp walk What's as a general... I was, yeah. like, I was like, you I see, like, I do no. too much. Don't too much. No, I'm too much. You yeah, know, that's that's <laughs> so interesting. So, so 
Tisha, you don't notice about me, um, but I always say I have a full-time job and two part-time jobs. So right. I'm a freelance executive assistant, but I'm also an actress and a model. And I auditioned for this movie. And so I've okay. read the script. Uh-huh. And often if I read a script and I'm not like, oh, I have to see this, I don't watch it. Yeah. And there were so many moments on the page that I was like, and I love Kenya Burris. Like he wrote it. I was like, I, I don't want to... I don't want to see this, but I feel like mm-hmm. I have to for the culture. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I, I, think that's what I have to, but there were so many moments where I'm like, yeah. so when you all talk about like Rick Ross and Wesley Snipes, I'm like, oh, I, I probably know who was like mm-hmm. where they were cast from on yeah. the page. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel like in terms of like do it for the culture, you know? And cause I, I felt the same way. I was like, almost like I didn't want to ruin how I felt about my yeah. favorite movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's all good. I'm gonna check it out, y'all. And we'll, yeah, we'll circle back. Out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Look forward to your feedback. <laughs> see what see what you think. Cause you're gonna come at it with a lens as a professional actress. So you're gonna like and I'm be able to be yeah, you but you'll be able to see what we may not have seen that be like, oh, I didn't even think of that. You know? Yeah, very true. It's very true. Yeah. Do, oh, Dooney, how many more do we have? How many more segments? We Two have um beauty tip and beauty moment. Okay. Okay. Um, so the beauty tip um, is where we give, you know, any any tip that you feel like listeners should know, like one okay. tried and true never fails tip. Okay. Um, you want me to go first? Do, yeah. do you have one today? Yeah. Yes, okay. I do. You okay. didn't, have one, I didn't have one last <laughs> Just because I didn't have one last time doesn't mean I don't have one today. <laughs> Letitia, you are the guest, please. Okay. Um, Let me think. Um, Okay, so something I always tell people, because people always ask me this question, which I always find interesting. They ask me if I need to wash my makeup brushes. Um, And as a makeup artist, like a lot of times people use those brushes for so long and they don't realize like, you need to wash those brushes. And, but when you say how, like, when's the last time you washed your brush? Some people be saying some crazy dates. So the tip is, Wash your brushes at least weekly, if not in between makeup applications, if you use them with a heavy makeup mm-hmm. application. But I would say mm-hmm. at least on a weekly basis, shampoo out your brushes and let them dry flat. Um, we do sell make my, um, makeup brushes. And that's one of the questions that I just really you know, like to tell people and teach people because if you have acne prone skin or you break out a lot or you're seeing yourself break out, time chances are your sponges, same for the sponges, and your makeup brushes are probably dirty and they're harboring bacteria that's causing you to break out. So wash your tools, people. Make sure you, um, you know, keep keep those clean so that way you're not putting germs and bacteria back on your face. So that is a tip I would say in terms of really? um, makeup. Yeah. Okay. I probably should wash mine more frequently now that you speak mm-hmm. of it. Yes. And change your mascara too. That's another one. People people use their mascara oh, yeah. for months and months and months. Never use a mascara more than 30 days. Like, <gasps> just don't do 30 it. Days? Really? 30 you days? Really? You lied. I thought it was every No, 30 days. I t- if you use the same mascara every single day, change it every 30 days because the amount no. of bacteria that are getting up in that... Mm-mm. I developed days. like a little twitch in my eye. I actually have to go to the eye doctor. It's probably because I've been using this fucking mascara. Like mm, I refuse. Yeah. It's not you done still have yet. The twitch? Like, how? Yeah, I still got this little twitch. Yeah, it could no, be. It could be. It could be, a, it could be an infection. January. 
Wow. Yeah, it could, or it could be a nerve thing or it could be sometimes if you have a um, eye infection, but it wouldn't have lasted three months. I'm you would geeked, have up, other I'm geeked up off coffee. Is, Maybe is it's a I'm coffee or with. stress. Stress could be stress. Probably both because what you're saying to me about my mascara, there's mm-hmm. still more in there. And I yeah. cannot just throw it in the garbage. <laughs> no, let it go. Let can it I just go, change? Let it go. Okay, can I just change the brush? Like, <laughs> just get go. a new. Can I just get yeah. a new brush? No, and because that's already in there. Already on the brush, you're, that's how it's getting into it with the brush. Yeah, and that all that air every time you open is getting in there, and then the bacteria from your eyes getting in the brush with the air, and like sure. it's just. I feel. It's I feel our bond weakening. To, to, <laughs> I feel our bond weakening. That was very also funny. also for. people. I don't know if people know this, but mascara brushes are typically formulated or chosen based on the formula of the mascara. So the effect that you get on from whatever mascara you're using is a combination of the mascara formulation and the brush itself. So if you change the applicator, then you're ending, you're going to change how it presents on your, on your eyelashes. But mine is clean. Mine is like a clean brand. So I feel like the, the elasticity is longer the shelf, she, the, she, the shelf life she should have gave you her tip now okay i know yeah, right. your tip. it's all on me now when my whole eyeball falls out that's on me <laughs> don't say she didn't tell you I know. um so my tip i don't know if everybody knows this it could be very basic but i have started to use like my after shower oil while my body is wet. So in the shower, mm-hmm. whereas before I was getting out, I was like doing a, a little drive and allowing myself to still be damp. Whereas now I just do a little shake while I'm naked in the shower before I get out and I put my shower oil on. And I have found that that has helped to keep my skin extremely moisturized. So then I dry, mm-hmm. let myself air dry. And then I put my cream on and I love the way that my my body feels. So Tisha, I've talked on the pod before about mm. how every winter my skin gets so incredibly dry. So this this year I've been really intentional about trying to keep my skin moisturized. And um, this is something that's been working really well. Duty, does does the kind you get, does it say on that's the bottle to, to apply it wet? This one did not. Or which, this one, or which one are you? Is there a specific one you recommend? So this one is the <laughs> is um, a shower oil from the established, okay. which is a black owned skincare brand, and this will be yeah, in the like show that. notes. So I'm still rocking with that, but I've noticed um, I've noticed the extension of like the hydration mm. over the past few days by leaving it on, just putting applying it wet. Nice. Okay. I love that. No, I love I love using shower gels, but or like oils after the mm-hmm. shower. But I just it was hard for me to get used to it in the beginning of like rubbing something on while I was wet and then feeling yes. kind of gre- greasy up at the beginning. But then yep. you know at the end though your skin does feel kind of more hydrated. But I think yep. it's the pro- the product. I need to find mm, one, the right one. The one that's not too you know greasy and I don't like a ton of fragrance either so I like I like things I think you'll like, like this one neutral. okay yeah I think it. you'll like it. it check oh. it out and it's black on so hey I'm gonna try it there. yep um my beauty tip it's it's mascara and like now it's super basic compared to to Tisha oh. but <laughs> it was um to don't forget to like use a spoon on your eyelid, if you're concerned about getting like mascara on your eye, I Ooh. find that it's always kind of kind of like right at the yeah. root. And but when That's I put the tip. put the 
front of the spoon on my eye. That way that back part is like round, like right uh-huh. here. You all okay. can't see me obviously, but like all of that just goes on the spoon and keeps it off my eyelid. Yeah, I've never heard of that. That's actually, I should try that. It's a little spoon. Oh, there you go. That's cool. Then throw away your mascara. <laughs> love it. one time use yes <laughs> single use <laughs> um all right so that's it so tisha our final question for you is why does beauty need you oh that's a loaded question um well i i think that you know what i'm trying to do in beauty is kind of help people kind of live their confident most authentic self so hopefully I'm bringing, you know, something new and refreshing to the space, um, especially the clean space in general. So yeah, I'm just, just trying to to bring a new, you know, just a new approach to things that have kind of been this old tried and true way of doing things that I think are just antiquated and need to evolve. And you're doing an amazing job for sure. Amazing. We cannot wait to see how far and wide LYS goes. And thank you again for joining us. Yay, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been amazing. All right. Until next time, Beauty Needs Me. Bye.